This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Last week we talked about what the angels said about Savior, Christ, and Lord, about Jesus. And today I shared a message similar to this uh, for Easter, the men who missed uh, Jesus during Easter, and there are some people who miss Christmas. I've shared portions of this. Uh, one is the innkeeper, but I want to talk about the innkeeper today. Uh, however, I do want to talk about a famous person in the Bible, and it's and uh, if you turn with me to um, let me see, get the right verse here, Matthew chapter two. Matthew chapter two. If you have your Bibles. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born? Now, watch this. King of the Jews, for, excuse me. Where is he that is born? Now, watch this. King of the Jews, for we have seen his star in the east and are to come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. Verse 7, then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men and he inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, Bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And if you know the story well, which I pray that you do, you know that King Herod pretended that he wanted to worship Jesus. Now, before we move on any further, here at Mosaic Church, we challenge everyone to look at themselves as the villain in the story, all right? Try to see yourself as the villain, not the, not the superstar, not the hero, but the person that we're going to be talking about. So I'll encourage you to do the same. Now, Herod pretended to want to worship Jesus, but he was incredibly fearful because he was afraid this baby that was born was also called the king of the Jews. Now, in verse 3, it says when the king, when he knew that there was a a baby born who was a king, he became afraid. And the word there is also agitated, stirred up, or shaken up. And in other words, he was in panic. He was in panic. Have you ever been panicked? Don't raise your hand. I've been panicked a few times. This King Herod becomes panicked because... As we know the story about the innkeeper, there's no room for Jesus in this guy's life. Why? Because of fear. If I would say anything, and I pray that it hasn't gripped us as a church, but there's definitely since the pandemic, and understandably to a certain degree, but there's this spirit of fear that has just kind of gripped the nation and the world. And this king was fearful. He was agitated, he was panicked, and he was afraid of another king. All right, so let me remind you, see yourself 
as the antagonist. Why was he afraid? Well, let me just tell you, Herod was a bad dude. He was not a good guy. Have you, have you ever done a study on King Herod? It's not good. He is a, a picture of, of an insecure soul, a needing of Jesus, incredibly insecure. Uh, we know that he was an Edomite. He was not a Jew. Uh, he was ruling the land, but how he became uh, ruler of the world, of that, his little kingdom, uh, was pretty, pretty amazing. In a sense, it was all really politics. He was the family of an Edomite. His father was Antipater, who had done some favors for Rome. And Herod was also, in the, in the world of politics, kept being moved up. And when Rome was occupying Palestine, he was be able to get this position of leadership. So he was uh, helping Rome, and then at the last second, Rome begins to help him. So he sought political uh, goals. He was political, and he was savvy, but he was incredibly insecure. So now he's in charge, and the Senate puts him in charge over Judea. Now there's other king being born. He heard from the wise men that they're going to call him the king of the Jews, and he panicked. And why does he panic? Because he's political. Someone could be trying to challenge him for his power. He had power. He had position. He had authority. And now there's other king is being born who is, in his mind, going to challenge him. And he becomes incredibly fearful, agitated. And now he's going to try to do something about it. So he's going to do something immediate, try to kill this little boy. You know the story. So he panics. He panics. He was not a good guy. Let me just tell you a little bit about him. He literally would uh, kill any opponent that would come against him. Anybody who tried to fight against him, he would kill them. He murdered the, uh, this, this sect of people called the Hermenians, uh, they were part of the uh, Maccabeans who were trying to revolt. He murdered them all. Uh, he murdered some people that were trying to uh, politically get in his way. And it gets worse than that. He, he begins to slaughter people. Uh, he had, let me just make sure I get this right. He had uh, 10 wives and he had 12 children. He had a notable wife, Miriam, and had a brother and he had his brother killed. Because he was a high priest, so he had him murdered. And so how he did this was pretty uh, notorious, is that he said, hey, brother, let's go swimming. And his brother jumps into the pool, and then he sends some guards to jump in, and they drowned his own brother-in-law. And then he went to the funeral and acted as though he was sorrowful, and he cried at the funeral. This guy was not good. The guy that he drowned had a wife. He killed her. He murdered both of them because he was suspicious that they were after his power. Eventually, you will read that he begins to take out his whole family, his children. He, was, he, even, he even killed his own sons because he, he was afraid that they were going to rise up and eventually take his spot. 
This guy was such an insecure man, an evil man, that the day that he knew that he was going to die, he was dying, he was sick and he was older and dying, that he uh, told his soldiers to get some notable people in the community and put them in prison. And then when he died, that they were to kill those notable people in prison so that the community would mourn and that they would be mourning and that he would be included in that because he knew that no one would really mourn if he was killed or died. It's pretty bad. So he kills his kids. He kills his spouses eventually, uh, anybody in his way. So this is who we're talking about. This is the King Herod we're talking about. Incredibly insecure, angry, vindictive, uh, just not a good guy. And he try now, is going to try to kill Jesus. And, and because we know that the wise men did not come back to tell King Herod where Jesus was at, um, he goes into extreme mode and sets out an edict that all kids, all boys of the years two years and younger were to be killed and to be slaughtered. And as you know, the God had already warned Joseph and Mary and they fled to Egypt. So the question is this, why did King Herod miss the opportunity to worship Jesus? And we all know it's a kind of an easy answer. It was because of fear, fear, jealousy, insecurity. All those things that we could see in his life. So insecure, he doesn't, he doesn't care about slaughtering people. I'm going to just tell you that humanity needs Jesus, amen? Because there's always Herods in our society. There's always Herods in our society trying to kill Jesus. Try to, try to get him out of the way. Because he's a threat to people's authority. He's a threat to people's political position or their position. And I would say that too many of us, and I pray that none of you, are kind of in the same boat. We, we fear Jesus. We have some sort of fear because uh, we're not sure about this king that we worship this morning uh, so beautifully. So Herod's fear was that somebody else was going to take his throne. I have a picture, I think, of a chess piece, yes. Herod was afraid that somebody else was going to take his throne. That was fear. Now we can say, well, Mario, where, Pastor Mario, where is there another Herod? Well, there are people out there. Uh, but I would say there are lots of people who are similar to him. They do believe in God, yes. They do believe that Jesus died on the cross, yes. They believe he was born of a Virgin Mary, yes. Do they believe, uh, they, will people say the Apostles' Creed with us? Absolutely, that's not the issue. The issue is what we kind of sang in our last song that Lavella sang so beautifully. Are we willing to bend our knee and proclaim our allegiance to King Jesus? And are we willing to say, Jesus, you're in charge. I will step aside, take myself off the throne, 
And Lord, you become the king of my life. Herod couldn't do it. And too many people who can say yes to Jesus was born of a virgin, can say yes that he was the king and creator of this universe, uh, can say yes that he died on the cross, can say yes that he uh, died for three days and rose again, he ascended into heaven, they can say yes, they believe that yes, he's coming back, but they can't say yes to Jesus being king of their lives. See, Jesus wants to be in charge of our lives, not just for Christmas time, but throughout the year. He wants us, he wants to be in charge of our thought life. He wants to be in charge of our physical life, our money. He wants to be in charge of our time. And, and let me just tell you, as I'm reading this, I feel, I feel like, wow, I, you know, I too uh, need to continue to bow my knee in the areas of my thought life, my physical life, my money, my time. So when Jesus says, I want to be the Lord of your life, that's where people put on the brakes. When Jesus says, I want to be the king of your life, that's when people put on the brakes. And now Herod takes it to an extreme, but I don't think, you know, I'm not trying to be discouraging this morning, but sometimes we can take somewhat similar patterns that uh, we begin to remove things in our lives that would remind us that Jesus is king. Now, I'm not talking to you. You're, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. But one of the first things is, you know, people stop fellowshipping with other believers. That's a kind of a telltale sign that they're, they're backing out or they're backing up. Uh, those are the things that, you know, um, you know they, they squash their conviction of what they've been watching. Or uh, they are unapproachable about how people spend their time. I would say that's one of the biggest challenges in our country is people are unapproachable. I remember a young man, I, I don't even know what the, the detail was, but I, this might have been pre-Rhea, so she cannot confirm the story. Um, but I remember t- telling him that uh, in order for him to be a small group leader, that he needed to be a part of the small group. And he literally, this is a young man, probably 18 years old, put his finger in my chest and says, who do you think you are telling me that I need to go to small group? And uh, I was taken aback uh, and, and from many levels, but it just was an epitome of someone saying, hey, nobody tells me what to do. And that's so ingrained in us, isn't it? Nobody tells me what to do. But the thing is, Jesus wants to tell us what to do. And it's written in his word, and it's all throughout. It gives us uh, patterns on how to live our life, like loving people, loving our enemy. I, one time I told someone, it's like, do you know that God, won't, have you thought about maybe God wants you to love this person? And their response was like, he hasn't told me that. And, um, you know, when they said that, really what they're saying is, I'm unteachable. I am unteachable. And so I'm like, well, it was right there in the word of God. You know, so, um, yes. So in a lot of ways, we are putting aside Jesus 
and we don't want him to be in control, so we take control back. Very similar to the story we just read. We don't, Jesus, excuse me, Herod did not want this little Jesus to interfere with his life, uh, this, his career, his position, his power, his ambition. He didn't want Jesus to tell him that uh, Jesus has a plan for his life. And he wasn't about to let anybody take his place as king. Now, we just, I just told you about his life. I mean, he went to extreme measures to say no to Jesus. And there's many reasons people do that. And they reject Jesus. Now, I've got this last picture. Too many of us, and again, I'm hoping I'm talking to those people, not us, that we want only the resource genie, the, the genie Jesus that you would call upon to fix our problems. We want that kind of Jesus. A nice spiritual friend, a good counselor, someone to just hear us, um, someone to keep us out of hell. The Jesus that we're reading in the Bible wants is the King Jesus. It's King Jesus who wants to sit on the throne of our hearts. That's why Jesus says, and the Bible says that when you confess Jesus as Lord, King, that we're saved, allowing Jesus to rule our lives. I know some of your personal stories and uh, and I get very encouraged when I hear someone say this. is like, I don't want to do this, but I want to honor Jesus. And I'm going to do what Jesus wants me to do. That's just, that is a, a fruit of you allowing Jesus to be Lord of your life. Do you know there are many things I don't really want to do, but I... I remember that Jesus is Lord of my life and I, I want him to be king of my life and I began to follow his, his decree, his word. And when you say it, I get very excited. Like loving someone that you, you don't really want to love. Uh, being nice to someone you really don't want to be nice to. Someone who maybe doesn't deserve to be uh, being nice to. So you do that because you know Jesus wants you to do that. And I, that not only as a pastor brings me joy, but I know it brings Jesus great joy. It's a proof that you're allowing Jesus to be the Lord of your life. So there are people who want to add Jesus to their own lifestyle, their own career, and their own position. They'll even mention Jesus from time to time. It reminds me of the, uh, my, one of my all-time favorite movies, Fiddler on the Roof, and Tevye would say, as the good book says, you know, just kind of quotes, uh, uh, misquotes a verse. It's a great line. Uh, but Jesus doesn't want to be added to your life. He wants to be the king of your life. It's hard in our country because we are self-determined. We have our own plans. We have our own priorities. We have our own values and our own morals. But Jesus King Jesus, baby Jesus, who turns into a king, who become a king, wants to be the Lord of our lives. We want to say, Jesus, come into our lives this Christmas 
and every day after Christmas. Lord, you're not cramping our lifestyle. Lord, you're, you're giving us full meaning and purpose. We want you to run the show. We want you to run the show. I've shared this story from time to time, but maybe some of you are new and you don't know it, but and I only give this example, but I could give you 100 examples of me not being obedient. But I remember I was a young 33-year-old uh, know-it-all. And, uh, and I remember praying at the altar and said, Lord, I, wanna, I want to make you Lord of my life. I want you to be king of my life. And Lord, I feel like I've done everything. I don't know what else I could give. I literally said that. And... Um, and this may not make any sense to you, but it was in, uh, out of the blue, the Lord just spoke to me and says, I want you to cut your hair. Now, back in that day, I had long hair. I should show you, I'll send you a picture of me uh, with long hair. Uh, I covered my ear. I always had it long, even when long hair was not in style. Um, I just became used to it. It became part of my life. Uh, you know, if you walked with me, I would always make sure you were on my left side in case the wind would blow. I didn't want you to see this. Uh, if I sat in a car in the back seat, I was always on the back right, always. Um, very rare would I drive with someone with the window down. Uh, there's a picture of me, another picture of me. When I got water baptized at age 19, I came up literally with my hands over my head like this because I was covering my, my ear. Um... You know, someone just showed me a picture at an event down at Crawfordville, Ivan Assembly, uh, me getting food at a food event. And when I saw that picture, I just saw it maybe a month ago, like, wow, little did I know how bound up I was. But at the t moment, I didn't know. It was just part of my life. Uh, when I was dating Robin, Robin had no clue about my ear uh, until we got engaged. I needed to make sure she said yes. You know, I didn't want to give her a reason to say no. Um, so there it was, here I was in a prayer meeting and the Lord spoke to me. And it had to be the Lord because it would never have been like in my mind. It wasn't like, I want you to be a professional soccer player. Like, okay, yeah, right, Lord. That would have been like something that was deep in my heart. Um, I, I'd sign that on people's yearbooks. Future Tampa Bay Rowdies player. <laughs> I tell you what, I had a lot of, lot of uh, confidence. Um, so... I am, uh, by nature, uh, a coward. And so I stood up in that meeting and I said, the Lord spoke to me clearly that he wants me to cut my hair. Now, none of the college students knew what my ear looked like, but they kind of knew there was something, something under, the, under the hood of hair. And uh, Mason thinks it's funny. Uh, so uh, I, um, I said, but I need two weeks to muster up enough courage to get my hair cut. I would go see a, uh, this lady that cut my hair in May, and some of you may know her, and every time she would cut my hair, I'd always tell her, be careful, be careful. You know, and they were always like afraid you know, to cut my hair. Anybody who was cutting my hair was always afraid they were gonna mess up. And um, so I went to her at uh, Governor's Square Mall, and I said, hey, the, the Lord told me to cut my hair short. She goes, for real? I go, yes. You know, this sounds like a funny story. Now, some of you, the Lord didn't ask you. He just took it. I won't say who. He's taking mine little by little. 
but he asked me. Um, so it was really strange that um, when she cut my hair, it was weird. Now, I couldn't actually physically hear it, but if I felt like I could hear it, like these chains uh, that had somehow embedded into my flesh that I was so accustomed to carrying um, began to fall off. It was like uh, this dead weight. And I remember walking down the, the corridor of, of Governor Square Mall, and I asked my wife to stand on my left side so that people could see. And little did I know that Jesus had something so much better for me than what I was holding on to. Now, I'm not trying to tell you that's the formula for freedom. I'm just telling you, when we walk in obedience, it's Jesus has something uh, good for us. Good in the sense that it's his determination what good is. Better, he determines what better is. And so, there are times in our lives that Jesus wants to speak to us and says, I would like to be king of your life in this area. Are you willing? Are you willing? And at that moment, at that time in my life, that situation, by God's grace and mercy, I, he gave me the, the strength to say yes. I'll say yes to you, Lord, even though it doesn't make sense. Like, what has hair got to do with anything? But it had to do a lot because it begins to allow um, my life to begin to walk in obedience. And I only share that not to puff myself up in any way because there are many times I've said no to Jesus. Typically, it's areas of, areas of, of uh, what we call acts of obedience of like, go give that person $20. You know, like, not that guy. You know, uh, and so I would not allow the Holy Spirit to, to rule in my life. There are too many of those stories I could share. But the one story is that, yes, I want to bow my knee to Jesus. King Jesus, we talked, we sang about it beautifully in that uh, a holy night. And I want to encourage us not to be like King Herod, to get all anxious and fearful and sweaty and palm sweating when we feel like God is speaking to us to walk in, in the path of obedience. We need to ask Jesus to reign over our lives and to, to put away any spirit of King Herod that we would go to great extents to say no to Jesus. So this morning, as we finish up, I pray that in in our lives, that we allow Jesus to be Lord of our life. Not just genie Jesus, but King Jesus. That we allow him to be king of our little kingdom. And we, ex, you know, we, we remove from our lives the attitude that we do not want Jesus to reign over us. We say, Lord, we don't want to run our own lives. We want you to run our lives. We don't want our own career. We, Lord, want you to, to help us in what we do. 
in our sex life, our financial life. You know, we live in a world that just says, you gotta do what you wanna do, right? I mean, that's why we're bombarded with that. You do you. And I'm telling you, that's the antithesis of Christianity, is that we do what Jesus wants us to do. So we bow our knee to him. So I pray that we don't let jealousy, fear, insecurities are the determining factors of who is king of our lives. Don't be afraid of Jesus. Now my story is that, you know, it it all worked out great. And uh, it did. I I continue to cut my hair short, actually to walk in an act of obedience. So it's been like 25 years of trying to walk in obedience. Uh, If you ever see it long, it's because I just haven't had time to go get it cut. Uh, But I will, uh, we'll cut it short. Now the Lord's taking the rest of it without asking, uh, but we'll we'll cross that bridge when it comes. Um, But there, is there an area in your life you say, wow, I'm really struggling in this area of allowing God to be the Lord of my life. You're still the king of your own little kingdom. And Jesus wants to be king of that little kingdom that you're holding on to. So this morning, for Christmas, I think the best thing, we said that last week, is that we can say, uh, the best thing we can give Jesus as a gift, like the kings brought, uh, the wise men, is ourselves. In that little area that Jesus wants to be king. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, we... um, We all have these little areas in our lives that, Lord, um, you know, we've not turned it over. And I pray, God, that you would help us this morning through the Holy Spirit, this Christmas season, Lord, on Christmas morning, Lord, that we could truthfully say, uh, Lord, you are the king of our lives in every area. Lord, I confess that it's easier said than done. Lord, when I begin to review my calendar, I'll be able to see there's areas that I wasted time that wasn't really under your authority of determining how I spent my time. Lord, from maybe binging too many times on TV or um, on the internet, um, YouTube, whatever it is, Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us to ask and allow you to be Lord of our lives and say, Lord, be king over what I watch and how long I watch and how I spend my money, um, how I treat my wife, how I treat my husband, uh, all those things that we, the Lord wants to speak to us, uh, how we treat our children, how we treat our coworker, Lord, there are areas in our lives, I'm sure, that we can say, Lord, please take over. Uh, How I'm doing it is not that good. It's not really building your kingdom. So, Lord, thank you. Lord, I pray, God, that you would give us the Holy Spirit strength to do that. Confess it to you, Lord, and uh, walk in obedience. I pray, God, for our church. Thank you for our wonderful church people. Bless them, encourage them. Use them mightily during this season. 
And I pray, God, that you'd give them opportunities to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We say thank you, Father, and we love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Well, praise the Lord. Merry Christmas, everybody. May the Lord be with you. He is risen. God bless you. We are dismissed. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.